Listen up, man. Secure the LZ, take out that scarab, find Noble Team, retrieve the Prophet, and get to the Evex Zone. And, if God's on your side, maybe the Chief will show up to lend a hand. The Master Chief? No, Chief Sitting Bull. Of course the Master Chief, Imbecile. Alright, he's just helping establish the universe. Now, as well as this rescue mission, we need to deactivate the core. Uh, of course we do. What I want to know is why the core is always active in the first place. Who's activating these things? The Covenant, the Flood, the Banished, take your pick. They love cores, control cores, armor cores, hell, apple cores for all I know. I've got my orders and you've got yours. As Tennyson said, ours is not to reason why, ours is but to do. That's not where it ends, you haven't finished it. No, I think it's more appropriate to end there. Now, on three. Wait, 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 how are we getting down? You some kind of pussy boy. You're gonna jump, fool. They don't call you an orbital drop shock trooper for nothing. Yeah, but I mean, can't we get a bit closer? Landing on that is gonna cause some major ring sting. I don't care if you break both your legs. Our duty as soldiers is to protect humanity, whatever the cost. I just thought... Did I give you permission to think? You joined the UNSC Marine Corps, and I don't tolerate philosophizing, self-surmising, pontificizing, nor any kind of whining. You hear me, trooper? Sir, yes, sir! One way or another, you're leaving this ship feet first. Oh, man, I'm gonna regret, regret, regret this! Regret? The only regret I want to hear is the Covenant regret. Dear humanity, we regret being alien bastards. We regret coming to Earth, and we most definitely regret that the corpse just blew up our agony-ass fleet. Hoorah! Now look sharp and get tactical, Marines. We got jackals in the courtyard. Buggers, heading over the rooftops. Gear up. This hula hoop is about to get salty. Uh, Sergeant, sorry to undermine the rallying battle spirit, and maybe now's a bad time to say it, but we have been in a game for the last five minutes. You think this is some kind of game? Hey, I appreciate the pep talk, but these aren't Covenant. They're real people, and they've taken our damn flag. I'm not actually an ODST. I'm Ben. Well, I hope you're feeling pumped, because I'm not Sergeant Johnson either. I'm Teo. What a relief, eh? So that means we don't need to finish the fight, because this isn't the Great War. No, this is... Pixel Vision! <laughs> nice. Pixel Vision! <laughs> We've got a laggy connection today, man. There's such a big delay. I'm not sure if it's my internet or yours, but, like, we are all over the shop. Oh, Really? Maybe we should get uh, the ping monitor up on screen. Alrighty, here we are. New year, new game, new Halo. A game you especially have been waiting a while for, Ben, but I'd say the world has been waiting a while for this game. Yeah, and depending on the type of fan you are, you might have been waiting longer than others because for a certain fan base, Halo 5 did not hit the spot. Mm. If Halo 5 didn't tickle your nipple, then <laughs> you are with Halo Infinite instead of Halo 6 to try and do the same thing. Does it? Does it? I guess that is a question that we'll be exploring for the next 45 minutes to an hour. But what's your instinct tell you? What's your gut reaction tell you? My gut reaction is that it definitely does, yeah. It's interesting because I said you'd been waiting longer than me, but it's more the fact that you never stopped waiting, whereas I think I definitely did stop waiting. So I pretty much stopped playing Halo after Halo 3, except at your house. So I'd come over to yours to play Reach, to play Halo 4, to play Halo 5, whereas you actually bought all those games and were, like, totally invested in the series progression, etc., etc. Yeah. Whereas me, I just switched off after Halo 3. Yeah. So I don't feel like I've been waiting. Yeah. We mentioned 3, 4, Reach. There's ODST is in there as well as another game, mm. but we're not going to be talking about that or 
the campaigns of any of the games because despite our story-based intro, this is in fact a multiplayer episode where we're exclusively talking Halo multiplayer. And that's because for a lot of players, myself included, the campaign is a big part of Halo, obviously. Mm. But you can live without it. Like, you play it, it's fun the time you play it. Maybe in the early Halos you played it a couple of times. But really, the biggest part of the game and the gameplay that takes all your time and that you sink all your hours into is multiplayer online. Mm. Right? Yeah. I think Halo was one of the earliest to really sort of drive this space forwards. I mean, obviously going really far back, you've got N64 and Goldmine and stuff like that. And Quakes. And Marathon, which I think Halo is built on. But like certainly taking advantage of the internet, it seems like Halo is the one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're not that old, listeners, but we can remember the days when you didn't just have a broadband connection connected up and the multiplayer features which we take advantage today didn't come as standard. They were very much a new thing. And yeah, for sure, Halo... I mean, you could play Halo 1 multiplayer, but Halo 2 was really the game, which I remember having a broadband router and having all the online features enabled to be able to just connect with people all over the world. And the hilarity that came with just hearing American accents in my bedroom was amazing. It was it was a pretty weird time. Sorry, oh. mate. Oh, sorry, mate. Excuse oh, me. What are you doing? What are you doing? English? You're taking the mickey and fixing on the wrong person. No, 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 no I'm not picking on you yeah. at all. You're English, correct? Yeah, big time, yeah. I'm yeah. working on an English character. Would you mind? It's called Reginald Poofta. Oh, <laughs> David Brent, my liege. How are you? Yeah, and one of the great things is that back in those early Halos when you played online, is that because every controller came shipped with a microphone, mm. everyone had one. And like, sure, they were cheap and shabby and a bit wonky, and sometimes they cut out and easily break and all that kind of stuff. But by and large, if you were playing against someone, the odds are they would have a headset. That, of course, isn't the case anymore. And so the experience online now, despite us being years later and you would think much more advanced, in actual fact, in many ways, the multiplayer experience, I think, has regressed, mm -hmm. which we'll get to. And so my gut reaction, although I think the core gameplay is definitely up there, it's like the best it's been in a really long time, right now, it's just so fucking problematic. It's so frustrating in so many ways that actually I would almost say, depending on when we put this episode out, maybe they've patched a few of these problems, but I would probably say wait. Wait a little while. Mm. And that comes from the way it's been... Well, I think it's, it's from the way games are released these days. Like, if they were going to wait until it was fully finished, maybe they'd be waiting another year, another two years. Maybe they just literally couldn't afford to do that and, like the current games economy that exists. Whereas Halo 3 is a finished game. It's not like you're getting updates to it every week. It's done. There are bugs there, but you put up with those bugs and they're not game-breaking. No, not game-breaking and not even that problematic, I wouldn't argue. No, no. But no. what's mad is that those games... I, I don't actually know what the time cycle is between those earlier games, Halo 2, Halo 3, etc. But I would imagine probably not more than two to three years. Whereas this has been six years mm. in the waiting. And I would say it's had a ropier launch like it's so bug ridden mm. <laughs> it's infuriatingly bug ridden and quirky like some stuff doesn't even feel like a bug it just feels like a ropey design decision but we will get to that stuff interestingly because this is a multiplayer episode teo's normal teo monologue is not really going to be about the story of the game 
but perhaps you can give us a sort of what is Halo multiplayer and what makes it different from other multiplayers. I'm just tasking you with that, Teo, to dodge a bullet myself. <laughs> The reason we love it is because for us, it strikes a sweet spot where you can get into games really quickly. Games don't last too long. So if you're losing, it's over in 15 minutes and you can get in and play the next one. That also makes it really addictive. The gunplay is really satisfying and punchy. It's just, it's fun to play. You feel like you can get better at it and that if you are a better player than your opponent, you can turn it around. So even if they see you first, you can like, dodge behind a corner, crouch, even sometimes just outshoot them if they've shot you first. Beat multiple people at once. Ova's going to be the last player alive here on the Snipe Tower. He manages to pick up a double. He takes down two out of eight players and manages to stay alive. Wait, tell me, what is he doing? Oh, oh my Ola! The variety of interactions, like first-person shooter interactions within that multiplayer arena are really varied. And that makes for sometimes just hilarious things happening, but consistently fun things happening, which in our experience isn't the case in a lot of other multiplayer games. Call of Duty being the classic example. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, I, got, <laughs> I feel like I could go on there. Challenge, <laughs> accepted and gone too far with it. Go on then, what? <laughs> no, 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 not gone too far at all. No, I just wanted, after I gave that to you, I was then suddenly like, oh shit, I want to comment on loads of these things. <laughs> but yeah, like TTK is a big one, like, right? Like time to kill, I banged on about it, I think in previous games as well. Mm. But that is critical for me. I think Halo is the only one in the whole FPS genre that actually gives you a delayed TTK like mm. if someone sees you they can't just melt you in seconds it actually requires some skill mm. that skill ceiling or skill gap as it's referred to it's not massive but it's big enough that if you're a really talented player if you're a skilled player if you put the time in and you get seen by for want of a better word a noob who just starts ARing you in the back uh, that's assault rifle um, then yeah spraying and praying like you can actually outmaneuver that person turn around and perfect them as they say in Halo which is like be as efficient as possible with your weapon and kill them in the bare minimum number of shots mm. that's one example but also the fact that Halo's an arena based multiplayer so the maps are really carefully thought out down to the final pixel to be as balanced as possible so like your starting positions have different advantages or disadvantages and you all start with the same loadout which is again unlike a lot of other games where you can choose what gun you want to enter the map with choose what type of grenades and like they flirted with this a little bit I think in Reach or in Halo 4 previously it just really wasn't popular it wasn't received well by the community mm. and they've gone back to this kind of classic starting loadout where in ranked at least you start with a BR um, you might not even have a second weapon actually in this one no yeah you don't you don't yeah, and you don't. two grenades and that's kind of like your starting setup which means everyone's on a level playing field when you come out it doesn't matter if you've you know bought a load of stuff in the store in microtransactions or whatever like that stuff doesn't matter because when you get in the game all's fair in love and halo <laughs> three two one activate yeah yeah definitely the parameters are set in such a way that you can get better like it's silly to compare it to chess but the best times on halo or the best halo maps it does feel like the arena in which you're playing is set up like that so you know that from starting, you can get 
to say the shotgun in a certain amount of time and then if you're there then there could be someone above you like at this position at this position and then you're making trade-offs like which direction you'll go based on what you can see and what your team's saying on the microphone yeah and it is a team-based game so like that communication is critical and actually in this game which we'll get into they've Mm. they've added some features in an effort to make the communication a bit clearer whether that works or not we can discuss but like communicating with your team's critical for for instance when a power-up spawns on the map your team wants to have that it's going to swing the battle in your favor Mm. so like you need to sort of play to get that power up Mm. and the same if there's a rocket launcher spawning or something like that pillars got me pillars two on b two on b two on b test it one on one one on one one on one actually he's got the repulsor garage 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 all you justin all you I mean, this is a game where the pro teams will literally have a coach stood behind them as they're playing, like a fifth member of the team who doesn't have a controller, but instead has basically a clipboard Mm. and is telling them, like, this is the timer on this weapon. This is where players are spawning now on the map. All that kind of stuff. There's a lot to this game that isn't there, I don't think in other games and it's certainly not a one-shot kill which makes it way more fun to watch as well as a spectator ace actually navigating around pistola still top mid he finds him he finds him in his sights now he's actually going to engage concussion going down nate's actually out there and ace is actually going to have barely any shields left pistola going in for the encounter oh, and they're going to find each other right here each other right here. Is there. oh my god pushes in let's see if he can just stay pistola pushes in ace could finish let's see ace with the upper hand The fact that there's so much depth to it means it's really satisfying to get better at it. Like, I remember when I started back in Halo and I was absolutely terrible. And it takes years and years, doesn't it, to get get good at Halo. Like, one of our friends, he won't mind me saying this, but he was an absolute noob back when we were kids. But he'd play and play and play anyway, just because he enjoyed playing so much with us. And obviously, we'd be like, we're not... Although me and Ben might sound like we're kind of like leak gamers a little bit on this episode. Or, I don't know, not leak gamers, but... Like, looking down on noobs. Like, we're not, like, not at all. We love playing with with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a casual, hardcore division here. Yeah, it's not a casual, hardcore division at all. It's just, it's it's fun to play, and you do just get better as you play. But anyway, so um, back when the, the Master Chief collection came out, we started playing Halo again, especially as it was being locked down and stuff. Playing Halo 3 with people online. And even though he was rubbish back in the day, just that consistent. We played maybe, like, a four-hour session every week really consistently. He started to get pretty good. And it was really rewarding for him and hilarious for me to see this person that was like shite (laughs) back in the day, like actually get quite good. That's better than it just being like everyone can only be average. Yeah, that is cool. But that is also social gaming. So one of the reasons Halo was so successful Mm. back in the day, and I think has fans like me still kind of enraptured by the franchise is because my formative gaming years in part, were spent in a social group playing Halo and enjoying Halo. And you'd system link people's Xboxes, you'd go to their house, there'd be like maybe 10 of you there. Obviously, at the time, you could play corners, so like four of you could potentially be on the screen. Eventually, it went down to just split screen, so two people. And now it's you can't even play split screen. (laughs) It's like, that's another way it's regressed. Mm. But back then, it was like hugely sociable. Mm. And for that reason, it was really fun, even if you were crap. I think so, anyway. it It was fun. It didn't matter if you died mm. like you were having a blast and you're hanging out with your friends i don't think that's true anymore i think like a lot of new players i've spoken to some i just went away for a week with some friends 
and like when I was chatting to them about Halo they were saying they just really didn't enjoy like dying again and again and again and they hadn't put in the time years ago and now not very many people are on a mic which we'll get to mm. and because you can't play split screen co-op it's also not very sociable to play by yourself you sat in your own house in front of your own screen on your tod and that's like a big part of Halo just gone which is which is really sad I think mm. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's interesting because do you remember I, um, I posited that in the Apex Legends episode that the reason people don't want to play these deathmatch shooters anymore is because they don't want to die again and again and again. And at least in Apex Legends, you have 20 minutes of running around <laughs> before you get shot and died. And like that's the enjoyable part of the game. So yeah, that's, it's interesting you heard someone actually say that. I think you might be right on that because people want to feel like they're playing at least. And in a COD game for instance mm. or one of those other reaction based shooters like even battlefield or something like that the skill gap's so narrow in a way like yeah. familiarity with the map is key obviously and your movement obviously plays into it as well mm. but at the end of the day like everyone can feel like they're getting kills everyone dies so fast that you've still got a shot you run out there maybe you'll be the person to see someone first and get that kill and you'll feel satisfied yeah which is great if you're not very talented at the game or you just want to feel like you can get running really fast but yeah if you want something more than that, if you want something that, you know, a mastery, a certain level of mastery that you can work towards mm. and aspire to getting better at, I think Halo's your game there. Mm. And certainly you see that with stuff like jumps. There are so many skill-based jumps in this game. Like you hear about over jumping, about crouch jumping, uh, now like slide jumping. <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff. And now they've introduced clamber and step to clamber and all this kind of thing as well. It's much faster to step jump up and then hit the slide to rotate through rather than jumping, like moon jumping in the air and waiting to land, right? It's going to take a lot longer to wait to land and then do your slide. So there's little optimizations in map movement here. There's a ton of movement that the average or the new player might not be familiar with, but pros are absolutely mastering and getting to spots on the map that you just think, mm. that shouldn't be possible to get to that place <laughs> or to maneuver that sort of wall so quickly, but they just do. Mm. And that's the skill gap. And that's exciting, I think. Oh Again, Lucid just starting to light things up here when Optic need him most. Dude, I swear, Lucid just throwing in 360s for style points at this point. Oh! oh! Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool to be fair. So let's talk about the movement then, shall we? How did you find the movement compared to Halo 5? I really think it's fast, it's in your face. It's just exciting. It's really exciting. Like, a lot of people were reluctant to get on board with Sprint when it was first introduced. Old Halos, everyone had a set movement speed you couldn't just quickly nip out of gunfire and round a corner like if you hadn't set yourself up on the map carefully you could be in the line of sight of three other players who are just going to melt you mm. which is still true to some extent in these recent games mm. but now you can sprint <laughs> which means you can get into gunfights a lot quicker and you can get out of them a lot quicker but that's been true for a couple of games now so what's newer in this is um previously your shield didn't charge when you were sprinting now it does previously you couldn't shoot straight from sprint you had to kind of like stop sprinting to shoot whereas now you can shoot straight out of it i think you can even reload while sprinting now movement i think is as smooth as you like what do you think yeah i agree it definitely feels weird going back it feels weird not being able to sprint in halo 3 like that is strange what happened would you lose him he's a freak he's a fast kid alive this is not good he's a fast kid alive fast kid alive my ass come on what, what are we gonna do i feel like i'm in the Give me a fucking warning before you do it! And it's great to hear that, like, pros are using even, like, the clamber and stuff, and the slide, effectively. Where I think it 
gets. And I'm <laughs> I'm aware that I'm maybe being a bit curmudgeonly here, <laughs> but where it goes a little bit too far for me, overcomplicates it a little bit, is with the clamber, which is where you almost jump onto a ledge and then you get an animation of climbing and sliding. Sliding, I don't mind, but in both of those cases, you've got an animation which lasts like X number of time and you can't do anything while that animation is going on. And that, to me, gives me a feeling of powerlessness while that animation is going on. Because ordinarily, like, you can jump and you can chew and do everything at the same time. If you go in for an animation, then you're putting yourself at risk. That makes me, maybe I'm just an overly cautious player, but that makes me less inclined to go in for jumps and stuff because I know there'll be a little moment where I'm not in control. I think you're right about that, but that is that is the skill gap right there. Like, So for instance, crouch jumping, if you do it at the right time or from the right angle or from like a slightly raised bit of ground, which you can find in various different maps to get in through windows and things, mm. you can cr- often crouch jump through a window or through a doorway that normally most players would just clamber up to Mm. and that introduces straight away like oh well if if you've figured out how to do that jump or you kind of are skilled at doing that then you're not at the disadvantage that someone who hasn't bothered to you know commit to learning that stuff and and familiarize themselves with the map yeah yeah. and similarly i think you're right to not want to be able to like if everyone could just slide everywhere and clamber everywhere without any punishment that would be problematic. But obviously, if you're climbing, you're vulnerable. Like, that's great. That's really good. It's like, oh, shit, you have mm. to think about which angle you're going to enter a yeah, room. Like, yeah, you, you don't want to be climbing up from below because if you're below, you're vulnerable. You're really vulnerable. That introduces loads of gameplay elements that I don't think existed otherwise. And, like, you've always had that to a degree, right? Because while you're in the reloading animation, you can be shot at constantly, which means, like, timing when you reload and ensuring mm. you've always got a full magazine is part of the gameplay. And that's been the case for so long that mm. it's second nature. And I think maybe you just need to get used to the clamber and the slide. You've got nothing, nothing but your bloody knives and your fancy karate gimmicks. We have guns. Uh, no, what do you have of bullets? The hope that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer standing, because if I am... You will be dead before you've reloaded. That's impossible! Kill him. Yeah, nice. I think you've probably convinced me on that. Just the fact that it's an option adds an extra layer of choice, which I didn't want or necessarily even expect. But it's also fair to say that I hadn't noticed that crouch jump clamber interaction before. Like, Because I think I automatically crouch jump. I think it's probably too boring to talk about controller configurations but both of us spent quite a long time like figuring out the controller scheme that we wanted to do to make it feel good so maybe i'm just clambering things and crouch jumping things automatically i'm not sure yeah i I think that's possible and i don't think it's that boring to talk about control schemes because i think they are critical like in a game that is competitive like this you want bare minimum time with your thumbs off the analog sticks because any time that they're moving somewhere else is a time you're not aiming mm. <laughs> and are potentially vulnerable mm. this is why like paddles have absolutely rocketed in competitive online gaming and especially in a game like halo because you want to be able to do stuff with your other fingers that are just holding the controller so that your thumbs don't have to put quite the same amount of work in as they otherwise would have mm. but on movement in infinite specifically because like I say sprint's been around for a while clamber was in halo 5 although it is a slightly different clamber now they've changed the distance that you do it and stuff mm. there are two other key elements that are actually pieces of equipment but that play massively into the movement and that's the repulsor and the grapple so 
the grapple is new to this game totally new to the franchise i think mm. um and basically does what it sounds like you sort of just cause style shoots out and flings you across the map <laughs> fly to fool and you can use that as you'd expect to kind of steer around corners or like get from low ground to high ground really fast or get out of trouble or pull straight into a melee encounter like if you've got sword and grapple for instance that's a lethal combination oh my god that guy's pissed so that's really, really cool, the grapple. I, I was super mm. hesitant about it at first. I was like, I don't know, I haven't really seen anyone using it. Is anyone using it? Blah, blah, blah. Then I started watching online, which we'll get to as well, and the pros are using it all the time and putting themselves in situations that you just think, wow, that movement is incredible. Like, they're getting across the map from their spawn point in split seconds. It was good that you did the grapple such service because, I mean, I picked up... So, to be clear, these are pieces of equipment which you can pick up akin to the bubble shield or disruptor in Halo 3, and they're limited use. So usually you'll get, like, two to three uses of a piece of equipment on the map. And they're on a timer as well. So you don't have them throughout the game. Yeah. So that means it's just an, a nice little spicy addition, a bit of seasoning rather than a game-changing mechanic with everyone using it all the time everywhere. I say that because that's exactly what the jetpack was <laughs> in Halo Reach, where everyone could use a jetpack at the start of the match. So it's not a piece of equipment that everyone can use. It's more like a weapon, which one person has at any one time. On that, though, I think we should just comment. One of the reasons that the jetpack was in my view, so bad as a design decision is because so much of playing Halo is about map placement, is about manoeuvring your way through the map. Mm. So like when they introduced this this piece of equipment that in essence just meant you could hover above the map. You didn't even have to move around it or through it. You could literally just be over it. And there were, I remember some of the maps being so vertical and people just hanging around in the sky, just shooting down on people all the time. It was like, what? This, there's no manoeuvrability. You're, just, you're basically like a drone at that point. Light them up. Warheads on foreheads. Oh, man. Yeah, so dumb. We just spent five minutes talking about the pitfalls of a, a ledge clamber. So, like, imagine how breaking it would be to, to put in a jetpack at that point. Like, yeah, exactly. Anyway, the grapple, yeah. So I was really bad with it. And you've probably played more of this. I've played for 30 hours, 30 hours of multiplayer. How many games is that, roughly, do you know? I think it's around 200 games, right? I think okay. around 200 games. And... I didn't use the grapple effectively once. Like I said, I am a cautious player. Like, I play not to die, first and foremost. And that might mean that I wasn't getting myself into situations where I could use it. But I did pick it up often. Like, if it was on the map, I, I actually tried to go and get it and tried to use it. Didn't have any success with it. So while I'm all in for it, like, it sounds really cool. And like you said, I've seen people use it in a really cool way. I was never able to myself. The repulsor, on the other hand, I found super super useful i love the repulsor because it's just such a um such like an emergency tool uh, in the same way the bubble shield was on halo 3 which i absolutely loved so the bubble shield just gives you like a completely invincible shield around you in in a dome where you can go in and out star wars episode one gungan style Steady, steady. 
<laughs> yeah, it was deemed to be a bit too overpowered in competitive play. It was, but it's like everyone knew what it did. It was there for a little bit. Like, who cares, right? Yeah. And, and the repulsor feels a little bit like that. So if you encounter someone just by mistake, you can just like whap up your repulsor and they go like bounding away. Like they're super disorientated and then you can get them. Lay some more shots on them. Yeah. So I really like the repulsor. There is a nice alternate use of the repulsor. Also very useful. Oh my oh. God, he gets the double two. And what? Against what the wall. Did he kill him with the pancake? He said he's a... Oh, what is going on? Mind the game. Don't challenge this man. Yeah, and you can also shield yourself, use the repulsor to, like, bounce back grenades. So if someone throws a grenade, say you're, like, camped in nest or something, and some grenades come in, you can repulsor them and they go flying back away from you before they explode. Yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. But, and this you're seeing loads of uh, top-level play now, is using the repulsor to jump crazy distances. Mm. So people, like, run forwards and then do a repulsor jump where they'll, like, jump and hit repulsor at the same time. And it, the power from the repulsor sends them vertically really far. So suddenly they've got really good line of sight, but also they've got much greater map manoeuvrability. Mm. And there's little areas where people have done it. Like, I saw Lucid do it in one of the maps called Live Fire. And there's this tunnel across the map, and we'll get onto all the map design in a bit, but there's this tunnel across it, and there's a heat wave at the bottom, which is quite a powerful weapon. And so he, like, ran in, sprinted in, had the heat wave, and then just repulsed up through this tiny little vent that up until I saw him do that, I totally thought was one way. Like, you could mm. drop down it, but there's no way you could get back up it. Mm. And then he just, in the competitive play as well, just sprinting through, shoots himself up it, and then takes out a few people with a heat wave. I was like, oh my God, this maneuverability is a game changer. And I think the repulsor is going to play, like, we're going to see pros using that more and more, and it's going to become even more exciting. Yeah, that's really cool, because it increases your options, but only if you're skillful enough to take advantage of them and want to risk it as well because that's like it's a risky thing to do right because it could easily go wrong and then you're in at a disadvantage yeah the one which it used to be which used to have a similar effect was the grenade jump right but if you're doing a grenade jump in competitive play or even just in multiplayer then you're risking losing your shield while you do it to gain a map advantage yeah so the grenade jump was literally like you'd throw a grenade and use the explosion the sort of physics of the explosion to propel you a little bit further than you ought otherwise be able to jump mm. i had totally forgotten about the grenade jump until you just said it then <laughs> and that to be fair like we take it for granted but the physics in halo is something that definitely back in the day was pretty new but still you don't like what other multiplayer shooters can you think of that use use physics in the same way i guess titan because it had wall running and grappling as well i feel like they probably took the grapple element from titanfall a mm. little bit definitely a strong inspiration there i reckon I don't know if that's in Apex as well, is it, actually? Mm, no, not, no, Apex is really static. There's a grapple in it, but I'm talking about kind of like the world as well. In Halo Infinite, there's, I love this feature, you can grab barrels. So in the old Halos, you used to be able to shoot barrels. They were kind of around on the map. They were a little bit, <laughs> they were a little bit of a novelty. Like the odds of you being able to shoot someone killing them in barrels were so low because they'd have to be in exactly the right place at exactly yeah. the right time. But when you did it, you felt amazing. And Halo Infinite, they've just gone like, oh, I guess people like barrels. We'll let them pick up the barrels and throw barrels at people. And you get a little Donkey Kong medal <laughs> yeah. if you hit someone direct with them and kill them. It's so funny. 
Yeah, there's some great stuff like that. Actually, so you can also get remote detonation, which is when, say, someone's shooting at you, but they happen to be stood near some grenade spawns on the ground. Mm. You can shoot the grenades at their feet and the grenades will explode mm. and kill them. And that's a remote detonation because you've, like, blown up the grenades without actually throwing them wow that's so cool i got a really cool medal as well and we used to talk medals because yeah, like yeah. they used to be great in the old halos then they went crap for a few um and now i think i just feel like they're brilliant again mm. like i didn't even know this was one and i threw this grenade across the map which i expected might be a hail mary when it went off but it's actually i can't remember what it's called now i think it might have been called like rocket man or something a character was low shields the other side of the map a player and the grenade hit him on the head and the power of the grenade hitting him killed him not the detonation and so i got a medal for that it's like a legendary medal so legendary medals appear in the kill feed as well so like if you get an overkill on a map like all the other players know that you got the overkill because it gets announced and the same with legendary medals so like a 360 no scope is a medal now Mm. as well so like if you spin around and get the no scope you get that legendary medal but stuff like that is super satisfying when it happens cj that's kind of me where's the fucking am i in a game by myself you guys against these three people, and you guys are 3 you wanting him. And Ninja, oh, holy, no, shit. No, holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! Oh my god! Bro, dude, the game's over. Yeah, like it almost feels like you've discovered an Easter egg in the game, and it's rewarded you for it. The sweet spot that they've hit with medals is that they're not giving them out like candy, like I felt they were in Reach and, and Four and Five. So you don't get a medal for absolutely everything, but the medals you do get feel a bit more significant. You know, and there are some trash medals in there as well. But they put a lot of love into thinking about what players could do and then officially rewarding them for those things. Stake-tacular victory! Well, while we're on equipment, there's some more traditional equipment as well. So there's like the camo, which has been in Halo for absolutely ages now, which makes you invisible. I love it in this one because you really are invisible. Like, Mm. you can sort of see someone if you're looking really carefully and they're moving like a little bit too fast. But if they're moving slowly and you're just playing normally, it's almost impossible to actually see them there's like hardly any shimmer or anything Mm. and it doesn't last for very long so you've got to really maximize your usage of it but the camo is great that's full invisibility if that wasn't clear and then overshield which has again been in halo since the beginning pretty much hasn't it and it's been in different forms like it used to be you'd run through this like orb and it would automatically pick it up Whereas now you pick up the equipment, but you choose when to deploy it. Mm. So you could pick up Overshield and immediately deploy it, or you could wait until you're just about to assault the enemy base and then deploy it. But obviously there's a risk that if you're carrying it and not used it, when they kill you, they could pick it up and gain that advantage. Mm. Again, like an example of this trade-off that's constantly going on in Halo. Mm. What do you you think about those changes? Because those are pretty stark for me, actually, coming from Halo 3. Yeah, I I absolutely love that. And like the other thing is that there's a visible element to it. So if someone's carrying an overshield, they have like a little sort of trail of light behind them. So you know that person's carrying a power-up and kind of makes you more of a target. So it's like a risk to be carrying that thing as well. And also it means that you see these crazy like battles for those power-ups, whereas previously someone would run through overshield, they've immediately got it. There's no contesting it whatsoever. It's just like, oh, they've got it now. Whereas in this, it's like someone grabs the overshield and it's like, no, no, they might not use it. Like, you've still got the opportunity Mm. to take them out and try and pick that up for yourself. And it becomes like in CTF or Strongholds where like when someone is in that place or on the flag or whatever, you just see this barrage of grenades coming in from all over everywhere to try and get the power up. I do find that funny with Overshield, though, because I agree with everything that you just said. I love those little, like, mini battles within the map for, like, certain weapons, power-ups, etc., etc. Really, really fun. But in the case of Overshield, it's just quite funny because I don't find the Overshield very powerful in 
Well, I never have, and I especially don't in Halo Infinite. It's like it's gone before you like you use it, and then it's you're back already back to your normal shield. Well, it's like a double life, isn't it? Yeah. Essentially, yeah, it's true. it's true. Because it gives you an extra shield. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. So you get the power of your shield. So say it takes you four shots normally, like three to the body and one to the head to wipe you out of VR. Now it takes what eight, I guess, or seven rather. Yeah, in a one-on-one, you'd probably notice it. But say it's a three-on-three and you're the person with the overshield, everyone's just going to shoot at you. So (laughs) I guess in that scenario, they haven't shot your teammates, which has had an effect overall for your team. But still, you're such a target. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. Also, like, if, say, you're on CTF, you grab yourself the overshield, you play it just before you grab the flag, Mm. well, you are a much hardier flag carrier than anyone else could have hoped to have been on your team. And that's, like, really strategic as well. Oh, yeah. I've done that a few times. That was the times when I found it the most useful, actually. It's grabbing the overshield, getting the flag, popping it. Agreed. Plus, I forgot to say as well, is that although you think of overshield as just being the overshield you have for the duration it lasts, in actual fact, you have a couple of extra seconds because it fills your overshield bar first, mm. during which period of time you're totally invulnerable. Yeah. So if you manage to survive the grenade barrage and like loads of players have run in to attack you, for a couple of seconds, you're just invulnerable shooting them and they can't do anything about it. You have this classic moment where someone realises your overshield's powering up and they just turn yeah. and run. Yeah. Like, that's all they can do because they're not going to win a 1v1 with you. <laughs> yeah, I love that moment as well. That's really funny. And then the other piece of equipment, which we haven't mentioned yet, is the drop shield, which is much more like the bubble shield, Mm. but is so inferior, I think. Like, I have seen it used quite effectively at professional play, but personally, I find it takes too long to deploy it for for it to be useful. At the level we're playing, I think, well, certainly the level I'm playing, I don't, like, it feels like paper, and its coverage is so small. It's in front of you in, like, a series of panels, which you can shoot through from behind, but blocks incoming fire from the front, but each little panel like wears down as they're shooting it and it feels like it wears down so quickly and you still feel really vulnerable when you're behind it that i don't know yeah i haven't managed to use it effectively yeah i think it's about three shots to break a panel i mean obviously it depends what weapon's being used Mm. i've literally thrown it before and seen it disappear immediately because like a grenade blew up at my feet or something like that Mm. and i guess you could argue well in that scenario i was probably saved but i don't know like if i hadn't been deploying it i probably wouldn't have just hung around anyway exactly yeah there's some like cognitive load required to use these things effectively and to use that one effectively doesn't really feel like like yeah like you, said, you could have been killing them instead of <laughs> trying to protect yourself with this flimsy little shield what do you think yes i think it works i guess we've gone through equipment unless you wanted to add anything just to say that i think they've done a really good job on all of that Even my first game, I felt like I was back in the game, which I loved, and could operate in it in a way which made me feel good. So, yeah, I think they've nailed that. Home sweet home. And then they've introduced some weapons, some new weapons, and got rid of some old ones. And I'm not going to go through every weapon blow by blow, but there are a couple that are worth calling out. So, for instance, Shotty Snipes used to be a classic combo in old Halos. Like, mm. it was so powerful. Like, Sniper was fairly easy to use. Like, not really easy. Like, it was quite difficult to get headshots, but certainly you could pick up and be effective with it. And the shotgun was a one-shot kill previously. Up close, one-shot kill with the shotgun. This game, Sniper is probably the most difficult sniper 
to use in any Halo. So hard. It's so hard to use it. Oh my god, the centre reticle is tiny. The sort of handling of it just feels like everything moves weirdly, like it just doesn't feel comfortable. And the shotgun has gone from being a one-shot up-close kill to being like this sort of spraying thing that you have to... I think it's a three-shot kill? It feels like a pea shooter, the shotgun. It's like a cap gun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the hell? And it's clunky. Like, it doesn't even handle very well. It has this, like, horrible long reload time between shots. I don't know. I didn't like those decisions at all on either the sniper or... I think they'll probably patch them. Me neither. The shotgun, I felt like they were just waiting to release the classic shotgun at some point as a little event. And everyone will be like, yes, the shotgun's back. The sniper is clearly more intentional, I think. Yeah, although even the pros are being like, this is a horrible sniper to use. Yeah, everyone prefers the shock rifle, which is like an electric sniper type thing. Uh, yeah, I do as well, to be fair, in this game. Whereas I used to really not like the Covenant sniper rifle at all back in the day. But yeah, with this sniper rifle, the move I rate is taking its ammo capacity down from 12 to 8, because it used to be so powerful that it was just annoying when you got people that were like too good. It's not certainly at like a casual level where they could just always win if they had a sniper. Like that's annoying. But yeah, I agree. They've gone a little bit too far. Like I find it very difficult to use the sniper in this game for sure. Yeah. And similarly, in ranked play, at least, the rocket now only holds two rockets. Yeah. Whereas previously, I think it held four, which I think is a really good decision because it's such an overpowered weapon. Yeah, yeah. Positively overpowered. Like, it's, it obviously ought to be overpowered given that it's a rocket launcher and makes for some amazing plays. Mm. But also, you can throw the whole dynamic of a game off if you've got four rockets. You can potentially kill two people per rocket sort of thing. It's mad. That's a good decision. But then there's one gun which has become the most controversial gun since its introduction which is the mangler the mangler being essentially a recreation of what i think was the mauler, mauler yeah. in an earlier iteration these things are essentially way better than a shotgun spawn naturally on the map so shotgun is considered a power weapon mm. so it's on one of those really long timers not very often on the map whereas a mangler which is way more powerful than a shotgun mm. in my view yeah and has a bladed edge which means it's the most powerful melee weapon in the game and you can do this like shot slice as it were so you like do a melee immediately after shooting it's essentially a one-shot kill at that point it's also incredible at range it's just mental. I don't know why they put this gun in the game as powerful as it is now. Yeah, I mean, I can attest to its, its powerfulness for sure. I hadn't really seen that many other people use it, to be fair. I hadn't been the victim of it on too many occasions. I guess I had only felt its power and not the powerlessness that comes with, with being shot by it. But you're right, like it's, it's so much better than the shotgun and it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Hold this. Hold this. Hold this. <laughs> That shit's so busty. Like, in Halo 3, anyway, the mauler was just, like, that little bit worse than the shotgun. So if you had a shotgun, you could always be a mauler, but... Unless it was a dual mauler, in which case it was a one-shot. 
from each, like simultaneously one shot kill. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's not quite rock, paper, scissors between the weapons, but it's that kind of idea where if you've got one weapon, it's a good counter to another weapon at a certain range, etc., etc. And nowhere is that more evident than with the assault rifle versus the battle rifle. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think they've got that right in this game? The battle rifle feels amazing. And like, I've seen a lot of complaints online that it's too easy to use and they got rid of the skill gap with mm. it. And now people, anyone can pick up a BR and be really effective with it. But to be honest, I think it's fine. Like it still requires three body shots and then a headshot and actually getting that headshot with strafing, with sliding, with sprint, like isn't the easiest thing in the world. Especially with this crazy array of settings that they give you in this game. Like you you can adjust absolutely everything about your controller and your thumbsticks and all that kind of mm. stuff, which is really daunting to new players, but I don't really want to go into right now. Mm. I actually think the skill balance between, for instance, the BR and the assault rifle is good. I do think the assault rifle is way overpowered, but then it's not really in ranked play because it's not one of the starting weapons. And so I don't think that matters. Yeah, like in I quick agree. play, if everyone wants to run around with assault rifle spraying each other, eh, I just don't play quick play. Yeah, I agree. But also, you know that if you are good enough, you can always beat someone who has an assault rifle with a battle rifle. If you get a perfect with a battle rifle, then you will beat the person that's nine times out of ten that's spraying you with the assault rifle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I quite like that, and I always like that I know that it's my fault yeah. that I've died. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I always think, like, oh, I've just got to be better in that situation. And like you say with the headshots, I'm surprised people have said that it's too easy to be out, because I've felt that it's a little bit easier to get perfect with a battle rifle in Halo Infinite than previous titles. But still, when you look at the statistics at the end of the game with everyone's stats on, and it shows you the number of headshots you've got, not many headshots going on like people's numbers on those like aren't high are they yeah agreed and actually like even in a map where i feel like my accuracy has been really high sort of around the mm. 58 60 percent mark i might only have two perfect medals yeah exactly yeah do you know what i mean because actually it's, it's pretty hard to get those perfect yeah i agree on that the one problem when it comes to weapon balance i would say exists and i think part of this we've alluded to with the sniper and the shotgun is that actually like this is the first halo game where a sniper can spawn on the map and i've literally seen players just run past yeah. it or ignore it because it's just too hard to use they don't want to use it and that's the case with loads of weapons like there are so many weapons on the map that no one ever even bothers yeah. to use because actually it's just not very useful to pick up anything other than the starting weapon that you have which is br which is super effective yeah do you not think that comes down to putting the time into experiment though because now i don't pick up the sniper thinking i'm gonna get a load of kills with this to be fair i never did because I'm, I'm not the great sniper but i pick up the sniper because i think this is a weapon which I want to get better with. I know it can be powerful. I'm crap with it at the moment, but this is the only chance I'll have to practice. I mean, I've had a few good moments with it in Halo Infinite, but yeah, mostly those eight shots. <laughs> I'm not getting any kills with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but they used to be sort of equivalent. So they, they've taken out the carbine rifle, which was previously the kind of covenant equivalent of a BR there was similar number of shots. Mm. I think it was one extra shot, but it fired a bit quicker. Mm. They've got rid of that. But there are some other guns, like the scatter shot, which was, I think, was that a Covenant equivalent of the shotgun or something like that? It was a Guardian equivalent, wasn't it? I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, it was meant to be like a, an equivalent of a shotgun. Mm. They've got rid of that, but they've introduced this heat wave which is similar sort of thing. It fires out these spray bullets that can rebound off walls and stuff. This sounds really cool, but it's actually not that powerful. Like sometimes you feel at a disadvantage 
using it. That's meant to be a power weapon, you know, that's meant to be the equivalent of a shotgun. But if Mangler's on the map, then you're definitely going to want a Mangler instead, sort of thing. Mm. I don't know. I think, like, they really need to balance the weapons a little bit more to encourage people to use them. Mm. Because right now, I'm going in game after game where all you can hear is BR fire because no one wants to bother with any other weapons. Which is kind of cool. Like, I don't mind that. There's still so many other elements in the game going on. But I don't know. You just want a bit of diversity, a bit of mixing it up, don't you? You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Yeah, you do. And you want that to be or work well in ranked play as well as quick play. I mean, if you care about your rank, like we do, <laughs> for better or worse, then you don't want to take the risk of like not using your battle rifle and like experimenting with one of these other weapons. To me, it just feels like I need to put in the time on quick play to practice with the weapons. To because I've been I have been killed by them. To be fair, and it always feels like the weapons are more powerful than other people's hands, which does indicate to me that it's to do with like my skill level rather than the weapon itself. But it was also always going to feel like that. Because yeah, true. if you get killed by a sniper, you're going to be like, oh, that was a powerful sniper, but they could have missed, missed seven of the eight yeah, shots before they got to you. That's true. Yeah, so then there's game types. Obviously, there's a range, like ranked. There's a rotation between capture the flag, strongholds, oddball, and team slayer. Mm. And those are, I think, pretty much the only in, like game types now. Yeah. We used, you used to have King of the Hill, Territories, which is kind of a similar sort of thing as strongholds. Yeah, VIP. Oh yeah, VIP. That was uh, that was pretty cool actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of like an early version of infection mm. almost, but without the infection going to the whole team and instead. I mean, people are really pushing for infection as a game type, and I reckon they will release it eventually, but they haven't yet. At launch, the game got a lot of criticism for a lack of variety actually in almost everything. Like they didn't even have team slayer playlists. They still don't have team doubles. And because they launched as a beta in November, it was, bear in mind, this is a game that was originally due for release in 2020, then got pushed back to 2021, then got pushed back to the end of 2021 after the whole, like, Craig fiasco at the E3 showing where the graphics just got so panned. They were like, yeah, we're still working on it. And then they just pushed it back by a shit ton more months. (laughs) And then it gets released in beta in November. Everyone, surprise beta, everyone's like, sweet, gets on it loving it the reactions online were so good everyone being like halo back halo back and then they get to the formal release on december the 8th and it feels like the beta still like they hardly introduce any new additions all the problems that everyone attributed to just being in a beta were still there bugs everywhere which we haven't talked about and that's a good thing because there are so many that the podcast will get negative rapidly at that point point. Mm-hmm. and then it went to christmas and the whole of 343 are off for Christmas, which, you know, they should be. It's their holiday. Good, yeah. But then why release a game just before Christmas and leave players yeah, yeah. playing for like a month with every complaint going unmet and player base getting massively frustrated with all the issues they're encountering? Yeah, I mean, that comes back to the release schedule that we talked about right at the start in that I wish I actually knew more about games development at this point because is it just objectively harder to build the kind of games which players expect nowadays? than it used to be but is it just so much harder that they can't do it any other way it's like if they were waiting for all the bugs to go they'd never release the game is that just how it is they have to just release it see what the players find issue with and then fix those things in order to prioritize is that just a fact of game development now i don't think so i think there definitely is a built-in acceptance now that 
DLC is a thing. Mm. Everybody expects there to be issues and you can just roll out endless patches, yeah. patch stuff whenever you want. It doesn't matter if it's imperfect because you can just fix it later. Like that is definitely a pervasive attitude that I hate personally and feel like it gives a much less rewarding experience for the game and often a frustrating one and can be a turnoff. Like I've seen players and I felt this myself essentially saying I'm just going to stop playing for a few months until they bother to patch this stuff because it's problematic mm-hmm. that's one factor the other factor is that crossplay, which is new with this mm-hmm. Halo which means that you can play from PC and Xbox and you're playing the same thing and they're having to balance I mean this must be a nightmare for game design to be fair like you've got half your player base using controllers the other half using mouse and keyboard <laughs> some of them are on an Xbox playing on whatever software that's running on I guess a version of Windows and the other half playing on actual Windows and you've got to get the aim assist with a controller to be as up to scratch as it would feel for someone using a mouse like there are a lot of components in that regard Mm. and then you've got the introduction of cheating which because it's now available on pc that means people can change their code around with the files in a lot of ways and change the code and make tweaks and run other programs that change the gameplay and currently it has no anti-cheat whatsoever literally it's an esports title they've released to public with no anti-cheat measures at all whoa i did not know that yeah and it's not even a simple like report cheating button like you have to go through about three different menus to find that and it's really time consuming and annoying and there's no like it's not clear that someone's cheating and you haven't just been caught out by lag or by whatever unless you go into theater mode and watch from their perspective at which point you can see kind of how impossible what they're doing would be so yeah there's those kind of problems but i think from the game development perspective i think the core challenge is the different platforms everyone's playing on Mm. and getting cross-play to work that's all i can think and i'm i hope that's not just being generous but that is actually a thing that's interesting because the the anti-cheat on the master chief collection i think i probably did 150 hours in halo 3 in the master chief collection in the end last year and didn't see any g not even once like it was clearly working whereas obviously like halo 3 back in the day it was just it became ridiculous like they were just flying warthogs <laughs> all over the shop but as a developer it seems weird to me that they struggled to add a different playlist because when you think about the code that's involved in that it's just a rearrangement of code which already exists there shouldn't be anything new there it's just a replication of the thing that's already there with different parameters. Yeah. So that makes me think like, mm, how is it built that that is a difficult thing to do? I wonder to what extent this boils down to problems in the buyout from Bungie to 343 as well. Mm. So Bungie obviously stopped developing Halo. It moved to 343 Industries, who developed Halo 5. Halo 5 was initially really controversial entrance. Loads of people hated loads of the changes to it. It did have kind of problems at launch, a lot of them. Eventually, I'd say it became, to my eyes at least, an almost perfect multiplayer, like Mm. absolutely perfect. And I would have carried on playing, except by the time it was perfect, the player base was so small in the EU that I was waiting ages for games, like 10 minutes or whatever. And then I'd end up in a game on a US server and the Mm. lag ping time, whatever, was horrible. So it just wasn't fun for me to play, but I still watched it a lot because the players were so good. And I would have probably for longer if they'd kept working on it and creating new maps but it just got dry over a period of years but now with a new game i'm wondering like they've already done that they've put that work in for halo 5 how bloody hard can it be to make it work with halo infinite at launch why do we have to have the same shit release schedule where it's going to be like they announce the game then it's two years later that they release it then they release it and it's 
riddled with problems. The player base dies, and about a year later, they roll out enough patches to make it really useful and playable and fun again. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's so frustrating to observe that happening. Yeah, time will tell, I guess. As it's free to play, it will hopefully circumnavigate some of those things that people can jump in and out, and new players can join without any barrier to entry, financial barrier to entry. Let's get to free to play in a minute. Just before we do... I want to quickly run through, because I said at the beginning that I think it's a regression in a lot of ways. Mm. I want, want to quickly run through, I mean quickly, like why it's a regression. <laughs> I mean quickly. <laughs> Tell me why you cry. There's no co-op of any form. I mentioned that already. No split screen. Mm. They say that split screen co-op is coming. I think they originally said March. I bet it's not March because they're always late on everything. That should have been there at launch. It's not. It's been in every other Halo title up to Halo 5. It's just crazy. Why would you get rid of split screen? Then you've got no population map. They used to have a population map, which when you were in the game, you could see where all the players were. This whole map was illuminated. It was quite nice recently, actually, when they shut down the Halo 3 servers. People were tweeting like the before and the after. And you could see this whole world map illuminated with dots of where all the players were <laughs> in the world. And it looked really cool. And you felt like, yeah, I'm part of this community. Nothing like that now. Then Halo Waypoint previously gave you all your stats you could log online halo waypoint you could see your kda you could say see literally it was so cool they had heat maps of the maps so you have this bird's eye view and you could see like where you got most of your kills on the map and like you could see which areas of which maps were really densely populated by kills versus other areas and it could help you plan your strategy and it just looked really damn cool none of that now you're entirely reliant on third party systems like mm. halo tracker i think it's called and another one called face it that give you like your win-loss ratio and KDA and stuff. Mm. Those are good services, but they're third party. Like, why isn't that just baked into the game? Then you play a game, you've got no choice to veto the map if you don't like it, no map choice whatsoever, no choice to buddy up at the end of the map. So if you're playing solo, which most people are because no split screen, mm. you play the game, you have a great game, you're chatting with someone, a rare person who's actually using a mic, <laughs> and you're like, brilliant, let's stay on together. No, you can't. <laughs> it gets to the end of the game, there is no option. You have to send them an invite, which is a nightmare in and of itself in the in-game menu system. Even just inviting people, adding them as a friend is difficult in the new UI, I find. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, it is. It is difficult, yeah, for sure. When we've played, just Teo and I, we've been sending invites via Discord. Yeah, that's easier. It's easier to use the Discord. Well, I mean, it's not that easy to use the Steam overlay. I don't really like the Steam overlay. Yeah, but definitely easier to send invites on Discord than it is to find friends within the game itself. Yeah, which is a shame because we already talked about how social yeah, yeah. Halo should be and, and, and is when it's at its best. And then... You come out of a game, you've finished, you're, you've started your matchmaking session, you expect to be in matchmaking, but it just leaves you on some random screen that's like how you're progressing through ranks that mean nothing. And then you have to put yourself manually back into the game, which yeah. gives you a three second countdown to go back into matchmaking. And if you do anything in that three <laughs> seconds, it cancels matchmaking. And what, what do you do when you come out of the game? You straight away want to go into another game. So you put yourself in it and then you want to check your stats. So like everybody's <laughs> making this mistake and losing their shit. Well, it's like, yeah, put me in a game, check stats. That immediately cancels putting you in a game. You don't even realize because you're reading your stats. And then like 10 minutes later, you're like, how am I not in a game? And it's because it just cancels it when you check your stats why would they do that yeah and it should just be a hot fix as well like it should be like oh whoops we didn't mean for that to happen we'll fix it and patch it in an hour kind of thing and <laughs> it's just not yeah like why is that still in there and I know that you see what you're doing to me 
Why not just leave you in matchmaking, though? Like, mm. if I'm in matchmaking, it's because I want to play games. Like, don't fucking kick me out between every single game I play. That's mental. <laughs> Maybe because they wanted you to go and buy some armor at that point or something. A little moment of respite to buy armor. Maybe. But then there's uh, there's no doubles playlist at all, which previously there always has been. The veto thing that I mentioned, so it used to be that when it would load a map, you'd be able to see your fire team, you'd be able to see your opponent's mm. team and their ranks, which was really cool because mm. you could be like, oh my God, I'm going up a general. This is going to be really difficult, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard theorizing that the reason they got rid of that is because you would get people quitting in advance being like, oh, I'm not going to play a general and just quit. But I reckon that's bollocks. But for me, I loved the yeah, challenge of like, you'd see someone higher ranked than you and it'd be really exciting. Or the opposite, when you're really high ranked and you see some noobs entering the game and you're like, oh yeah, look at these guys. They're low rank. We're going to walk over that was fun there's none of that anymore it would load the map let you know what map you're going to choose and then all the players could vote whether they wanted to play that map or not Mm. they've got rid of that another thing in a game previously if a player quit you'd be able to vote like same with if a player betrays you like you'd be able to vote like get rid of this player or vote to end the game if the player quits you can't do any of that stuff it's just like the number of three v4 games or even two v4 games i've been in I don't I like how what are they doing? Tell me why. Tell me why. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So what we've described, I guess, over the course of the podcast so far is that the actual game itself, like when you're playing it, it's really, really good. But all of the the stuff that comes with it, the way that you're facilitated to play that game through the matchmaking, through like menu screens, all of that kind of thing. Is really not up to scratch. And to me, that kind of feels like the easy part, though. Like, yeah. That, that's the part that's really, really straightforward to get right. So, yeah, I don't understand it. Tell me why, tell me why. And some of it's laughable. Like, on the main menu, there's an about section, which presumably would normally give you credits. Mm. In this game, if you click the about thing on the screen in game, it boots you to a new window of notepad where it gives you like a list of credits, like a, an actual text file that opens from the UI that you're in. Like mental. Another one, you go to someone's gamer card, rather than it just loading the gamer card, it opens a new window in like the Xbox app. Mm. It's just so clunky. Like why would they do that? And some of this stuff, some of these changes are as a direct result of their new freemium model. Mm. Taylor, what is their new freemium model? <laughs> yeah, well, as we've said, it's free to play. Or what well, the campaign costs money, right? So the multiplayer is free to play. Mm. Yeah, unless you get it on Game Pass, the campaign does cost money. Sure. And as with a lot of games these days, like we covered Apex Legends recently, also free to play. Fortnite. The way that they're hoping to make money on it is by selling armor. Customizing your armor or your little master chief in the game has always been a thing, but this time you have to pay to do it. Um, This isn't me taking a particularly strong stand, I don't think. I just didn't engage with that part of the game at all. I wasn't interested in it. I didn't buy a battle pass. Seen a lot of people on Twitter talking initially about how bad the battle pass was. I was like, guys, like, why do you care about this? Like, I totally agree. It's nothing to do with the fun of playing the game. It seems to be a really popular thing, right? Like bat passes and aesthetic upgrades. Me, I couldn't really care less. I mean, they have been lampooned for it because some of the stuff, like you can buy the colour blue for your armour for like eight quid in the game. <laughs> Everyone's losing their shit about like how overpriced and expensive it is. Just don't buy it. Yeah, but the thing is, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And this is an area of the game I wanted to be able to ignore. The problem is because they're selling that stuff, they have to show it. 
And because they have to show it, they no longer give you coloured characters. Like, it used to be, I was on the blue team, my enemies were red, and they were on the red team. And that was very, very visible. Your entire armour was that colour. But now, because they're selling whatever armours that you want, you can buy your pro team's armour to support them, or you can buy a different colour or whatever, now they do outlines, which means you can be on the blue team, your enemy is on the red team, but they can just be blue. They can just have blue armour. <laughs> and like, around the edge, they give you this red outline. But an outline is not as attention-grabbing as mm. a whole solid block of armour. With the result, you end up in these weird scenarios where like, you're running along next to someone thinking, yeah, they're on my team, before you realise, actually, no, they're not on my team. I didn't notice their outline, and suddenly you're dead, kind of thing. Like, that momentary hesitation that you get, because... It's just not clear whether someone's on the enemy team or not. Mm. It's purely because they're selling aesthetics now. That is fair. That's fair. I, I never experienced that myself. I always felt like it was clear who was on the opposing team and who was on my team. I think, anyway. Online, people are changing their colours as well. So it lets you change the colour of the outline of both your team and the enemy team. And the reason people are changing the colours is because on the maps, it used to be that you'd have like a red area and a blue area because that was the team colours. And so you've got these areas of the map that are very blue or that are very red. Mm. So having a red outline on them is just really annoying. So instead, people are making them like yellow or pink or something like that to like really stand out from the map because the default just blends in. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, uh, that really frustrated me, actually. Is that why a lot of people choose that colour scheme, which is, like, red, white and blue? I thought it was patriotic Americans, but is it actually so that when you see them, you're confused whether they're on the red or the blue team? Sensory overload. <laughs> so red, white and blue is because those are the skins for a number of the pro teams. Oh, uh, like okay. E United, for instance, is red, white and blue. And there's a number of others as well. At least three of the teams have red, white and blue as their colours. And there's some others that are like black and yellow or black yeah. and gold as well. Like that's another classic one. And they do look really cool. And because they're selling it, they've made the default skin look shabby ass. <laughs> like, you look literally like your spine's been dragged off a dumpster yeah, and then, like, put into armour, which, in a way, I quite like that, because I haven't bought anything. I can be on a team where everyone else is in, like, shiny, crisp stuff, and it's like, yeah, I don't care about that. But then my KDA is high, and it's satisfying. Yeah, I, I take pride in that as well, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I always think it would be really funny if one pro team came out and they'd never bought any skins. Obviously, it wouldn't happen because they're all making money off sponsorship mm. and stuff. But if they'd never bought any skins and they're just all in the default <laughs> and then they just go out and wipe out all these people who spent a fortune on getting, like, a blue gun or whatever. Uh, I would have so much respect for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I say I'd have so much respect for that, like... They have to fund building the game somehow. So, I don't know. Yeah, but you know the way they used to do it is they'd make a really good game and people would pay for it. Like Halo 2, brilliant game, massive player base, competitive scene, brilliant. But that's what I mean. Like, is this like squeezing the most amount of money you can out of a game? Or is this the only way to fund a game of this scale? Is it greedy or is it necessary? My view on this is that once the first few games started to go freemium, high profile games like Fortnite, for instance, mm. if you want to compete with those games, like you can't sell your game, your shooter for £45 for a new game or 60 quid or whatever it is now, because people will just play the free one. Right. And all those people like me and you who are like, I'm never going to spend money on a cosmetic in-game item. Like, um, that's just never going to happen. No. We think, who is playing sort of Fortnite or whatever? Who is actually paying for that? Because it's madness. But I guess kids, or maybe not just kids, like 
I don't know. Let us know. Are you someone who's really passionate about buying cosmetic items in game? Is that something you want to spend a fortune on? And if so, please, God, explain why. A game where it's just nothing to do with it. That's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. There's so much fun to be had in this game apart from that. Again, like all the power to people who want to buy like virtual things to have in a virtual world, that's all fine. But for this, like the, the game does not reside there at all. It's yeah. totally optional extra and you don't even notice it when you're playing. I don't anyway. But then here's another problem, right? Because the devs have to put a lot of work into creating mm. all those different artworks, all the different armor types, the launch events. So they do these big sort of dramatic events. Recently, there was one called like Fracture, I think. And then they're themed. So like this one was like samurai themed or Japanese themed or whatever. And people would get armor that kind of plays into that. <laughs> it looks crazy. Which I, I was just going to say, which as a slight weeb myself, I just found absolutely hilarious that they'd like take the super low hanging bait fruit of a samurai skin and like dangle it in front of all these nerds <laughs> it's like do you want to look like a samurai master chief and everyone's like oh my god i want to look like a samurai master chief and, like, <laughs> shit over it. it's like oh my god it's so embarrassing yeah. it's so embarrassing so, so they've done that and then that takes time and effort and presumably they've got whole teams of people that they're paying to spend ages to draw this armor like graphically in game yeah, yeah. and that's detracting from time and resources and effort and manpower that would go into actually core gameplay elements that really do make a difference to how you play mm. and that worries me a lot because it makes me think like this is called halo infinite right as i understand it there's two reasons it's called halo infinite instead of halo 6 one is if they call it halo 6 Everyone who didn't play Halos 1 to 5 feels like they're, they're late to the party and they can't get involved with that. I totally get that from a marketing perspective. Really sensible decision. The other is because this is it now. This is Halo. And every new iteration will be patch, version, update, whatever, DLC for this game. To my eyes, that just seems like they're just going to monetize the crap out of this and kill the gameplay element in favour of the aesthetic element that people are willing to pay for. And maybe that just is what gaming's like now. But this feels like a freemium title, not mm. a premium title. I think that's really, really sad. I don't know. I didn't... Like, like, well, I mean, we both have no interest in the aesthetic side of it, but I didn't actually feel like it interrupted... Like you say, with the outlines, it did actually interrupt the gameplay. And like you say, like when you're putting resources into one thing, you're not putting resources into the other hopefully as the game is like fixed and becomes more and more stable like they will actually free up resources so that they don't have to put as much effort into that like once it's finished there is time for doing things which aren't game related you know what I mean? no it's not finished it's infinite <laughs> no it's infinite <laughs> well, i mean nothing's ever nothing's ever finished <laughs> i know what you mean anyway for me playing it i felt like compared to other free-to-play games like apex legends for example is a lot more annoying with its skins and stuff than halo infinite definitely and i don't even find that game that annoying but this one like it did feel entirely separate like occasionally i'd level up and it would like show me a helmet which was locked because i didn't buy the battle pass all the time not occasionally after every game that is really? me. every game that screen that i said was random before when you finish a game it's like you ranking up but not ranking in terms of skill like leveling through a progression that unlocks arbitrary items yeah yeah don't care about it don't shove it down my face if if i do care about it i'll go look for it in the game fine but like fair. 
there. Yeah. Every time you d- you get that and it shows you the two items and it's like the common as muck item that's on the left and then like the legendary one with all fire and cat's ears, cat's ears and stuff like that <laughs> that is like locked unless you pay 20 quid. Come on. Yeah, well... I don't know. How can a game take itself seriously? Like, how can it expect players to take itself seriously when it's got cat's ears in it? It's not a bit of fun. It's undermining the integrity of the gameplay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just... Hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. Has the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? That being said, right, the Halo tournaments that they've had already have been so fun. Once they get into it, watching it is just a joy. Like, oh my God. In a way, that's, I think, that's where the social element is now because it's so rare to get on a game where everyone's got mics. Mm. And so often, like when you and I play, the people who have got mics are in a private chat. They're on Discord. They're not, they're not taking you know part in the community per se whereas the esport element there is a community you get on the twitch channel and the feed is moving like crazy like the hype train or whatever that rubbish is you can't read it it's mostly nonsensical but it it gives you this sense that you're a part of this thing that like Mm. there's so much excitement and then you've got the casters who are basically expressing everything you want to express but you haven't Mm. got people to express it with and there's this sort of vicarious enjoyment that goes on through watching the esport for every single player spectator member of talent people at home to find themselves in this situation once more. It's been a long road. It's been a heck of a wait. But in the words of the late, great Brady Lee, it's Sunday night, and you know what that means. It's grand finals time here in Raleigh. Two teams gonna give it their all here. Cloud9 and a United. And sometimes I've thought, especially recently when I've been getting frustrated, like maybe I won't play as much, and instead I'll just watch talented people play more. And get a similar level of enjoyment. But you, you don't really watch the competitive scene, do you? No, I haven't, I haven't watched any so far. And I, I tried to get on that tournament, but they were having technical difficulties. So we never actually got to watch any. I will definitely try and watch some, but I don't know. It doesn't draw me in maybe quite in the same way. We even went to a tournament once, a, a live tournament. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I remember it in London. It was fucking awesome. In a cinema. Yeah, that, that was really cool. I'd definitely do that again, for sure. But I don't know. Yeah, I used to watch more a lot more esports than I do now. I used to watch a lot of StarCraft 2 and stuff, but I guess just other hobbies have replaced it and I struggle to make that thing feel like it's it's worth it compared to the other things that I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I guess I watch it because you watch football and things yeah, like true. actual sports, don't it's you? True. Whereas I've never really got into that. So my equivalent is like, oh, there's a tournament. I'll say to my girlfriend, like, there's a tournament this weekend. And she shrugs her shoulders like, oh, God, <laughs> I lost him for the weekend. Because that is just going to be hours of me in front of a screen getting hype by myself. <laughs> yeah. So when I was playing the Master Chief Collection last year, whereas before it'd be like every day I was on Halo, blah, blah, blah. It felt a little bit more like house party that's kind of a weird comparison but like i'd choose like one evening on the week when i'd get together online with my friends and play a few games of halo and it would go on like maybe we'd play in from like i don't know nine until 1am or something which is really fun a really fun session but that's kind of how it's a part of my life kind of like football is i guess where i'll play once a week with a bunch of different people and that's definitely how i see myself playing halo infinite but the problem there is that actually you're the only person I know who's playing Halo Infinite. And so that just means I'm less likely to play it. Like if you're playing or I'm round at your house. Thanks, mate. 
<laughs> You're the only person I know. I don't want to play with you. <laughs> I do really want to play with you, but we have to wait for like our schedules to align. Yeah. I'm not going to log on by myself. You know, I have been, and I have been really enjoying it, but I'm not going to be logging on on an evening by myself to play it. But if you're playing on a Friday night, then I would. Yeah. And what my friends have been playing while I've been playing Halo Infinite is still Apex Legends. <laughs> and I've actually been really jealous. I've really wanted to go like log on and play Apex Legends with them. And I definitely prefer that game less, but I'm still more enthusiastic to play it because they're playing it. Yeah, exactly. Social scene's critical and they've basically forced the social scene to move mm. from Halo. Like, just getting rid of co-op and split screen. Mm. Deathly decision. And like now, as a result of capitalism, they can make more money selling mics separately from controllers. So you buy yourself an Xbox, it doesn't come with a headset. You know, it might come with one controller. They're not going to give you two, but they might come with one <laughs> controller, but it won't come with a headset. If you want a mic, you've got to go out and get that mic <laughs> separately. And like, how many people are going to do that? Do you know what I mean? Not enough, let's put it that way. Mm. So then they've developed this in-game system where you can ping to communicate with your colleagues. Colleagues, it's very formal effect. <laughs> it's a workplace, <laughs> the Halo workplace. They've introduced this ping system on the D-pad so you can kind of cool out areas of the map to let your teammates know the enemy's over there or the rocket launches up or whatever. Um, which, in theory, great idea. In practice... I think it's a disincentive to put people on mic. Like, mm -hmm. if they've got another way to communicate in-game, that's another reason they don't need to get a mic. You're slowly taking all the humanity out of the game, and then you end up in a game where you may as well be playing with bots. And actually, I say may as well, Halo Infinite literally introduced bots. So you can play with bots if you want. If you're struggling <laughs> in the online space, just play with bots. Ah, yeah. Dangerous. I worry this is a very slippery slope. I've got a question for you, though, Tay. Mm. Why are your other friends playing Apex instead of Halo? It's a freemium game. Why aren't they playing it? They just think it's more interesting game. More fun. More fun to play. But have they tried Halo Infinite? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've played some Infinite together as well. In person once. I was around at their house, and the three of us together like had a session of Infinite, and then we were kind of like, should we play some Apex instead? And then we did, and we actually had more fun. Or at least they did. I found both fun. Apex is interesting because I'm nowhere near as good at it as I am at halo so for me there's like a challenge there there's obviously a challenge at halo like i'm not that good but basically i'm shit at apex legends which makes me want to get better whereas i'm okay at halo so i'm kind of like relatively happy with my skill level yeah but yeah for them they're just way better at apex legends so it's funner for them to play but for me like the thing that motivates me is playing with other people and having fun with my friends and if i can do that on halo great and i think the halo infinite is an awesome vehicle to do that but if my friends are somewhere else then I'm going to probably be somewhere else. Yeah, the network effect in action. Well, that's why it's, it's like killer if they don't manage to get the player base on board on day dot and why the Christmas release schedule is problematic mm. because so many players who came to check out Halo are no longer sticking around. They've gone now. Like, you're not going to get them back. They've gone. Mm. Yeah, it's a real shame. And I do worry about the future Halo. I don't think they could have done a Halo 7, to be honest, because mm. I don't think there's an appetite for it anymore. Like, the whole scene's moved on. Halo's the only one, pretty much the only arena shooter, other than, like, Splitgate, which is a Halo clone, essentially. Mm. Still a lot slower than Splitgate, I think. Like, Splitgate feels like paper thing compared to Halo, I think. Right, well, I feel like that's the Halo Infinite multiplayer scene covered. Yeah, covered well, I think. But yeah, I think there's a balance. Like, we've clearly said there's absolutely so much to love. Mm. But simultaneously, right now, 
there is so much to be frustrated by. Mm. Like when there's something you really love and mainly your frustration boils from the fact that you feel like they're just killing it. That's hard to communicate without sounding like you're shitting on the game. And like, we're not shitting on the game. Like we fucking love the, the game. game really good. <laughs> and because I do want people to stick around. That's why I'm like, maybe just wait a little bit if you haven't played it yet. <laughs> for them to patch their problems yeah. and maybe now everyone's back off holiday and we're in the new year maybe that'll happen really fast who knows like by the time this gets released maybe those things will be fixed mm. and instead this will be a perfect game with a freemium model it's possible yeah and i am really looking forward to the next time i'm down in cardiff and we get to play some couch cop together separate screens obviously <laughs> but <laughs> still we're on the same sofa playing the same game at the same moment yeah and that'll be a lot more fun yeah that'll be joyous cool well let's leave it for that what are we playing next cyberpunk 2077 it's keanu time it's keanu time yeah excellent 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 there's a few reasons we've held off on this one one it's a really long game <laughs> really long we're not gonna go through it there's not a chance just heads up <laughs> yeah and two it was infamously buggy at launch yet another game that's infamously buggy at launch so wait for a sale wait for the bugs to be fixed and hopefully most of them are we'll let you know that's it that is this episode's pixel vision some kind of pussy boy you're gonna jump fool they don't call you an orbital jack drop jack <laughs> your voice is incredible man this is so good <laughs> oh man that's such a funny line all right i do it again you some kind of pussy boy you're gonna jump fool they don't call you an orbital jack oh my god why is that so <laughs>